0: the grand canyon uh rim to rim to rim is a route that is really popular among ultra runners that i've done where you run basically from one side of the grand canyon down the bottom up the other side and then you come back it's like 42 miles and you climb 11,000 feet of vertical i want to be my current self from this point forward i want to learn how to play piano working with human beings drinking wine in the middle of the day
1: i want to be a fire. Off track I'm gonna be the next greatest painter. Just
0: kind of work with kids, getting them ahead. And I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want
1: to be a baseball
0: player. Brewmaster. A
1: winemaker.
0: Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up,
1: everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the half-hour intern. Today's episode is brought to you by a listener, Dasha Cavarina, who wrote in on the website saying that she wanted to hear about an ultra marathon runner, and so I tracked one down and uh you are about to hear the interview, so uh one name for the hobby that we're going over today is ultra marathon running, another is just ultra running, another is trail running. um they all mean kind of similar things it, basically, it's just the most badass thing you could ever possibly imagine that the craziest people do, which is the competitions and the running really starts at anything over a marathon and usually it will be like a double marathon or a hundred kilometers and specifically what today's guest ryan Gelfi does is trail running um or ultra trail running which would be running these distances like through the mountains on rugged terrain which is so crazy just asking to to break an ankle the entire time uh running over rugged mountain terrain for about a hundred kilometers at a time which um yeah is is super insane so i'm just going to go ahead and go straight into the interview without further ado here is ultra marathon runner ryan thanks so much for being on the show man
0: yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. So, I think the best place for us to start is what exactly constitutes an ultra marathon? Is it anything over a marathon? Is it like a double marathon? And then now I see and this is, you know, what you do is just people that are ultra runners. Like all it says is the word ultra. Like what is that versus somebody that does ultra marathons?
0: I mean, I would say an, an ultra marathoner and ultra runner, they're they're pretty synonymous terms. I mean, uh, technically, it's anything more than a marathon. So you can run 26.3 miles, and then you've run uh, an ultra marathon. But typically... That would probably be frowned upon by the ultra community, (laughs) I would imagine. (laughs) Uh, Somewhat, somewhat. I mean, there's, you know, it's such a funny, varied uh, world. But, you know, 50K, which is 31 miles, is where, like, most people start in terms of, like, uh, going farther than a marathon. Okay. Um, and usually, I mean, some of them are on roads, but I would say more often than not, like the, the ultra running community does a lot more on trails, um, or dirt roads and in mountains, things like that. Um, so that's kind of different than like the road marathoning world in that way. So yeah. say like a 50 K it's not that much farther by distance, but it might take a lot more time just because you might be climbing up and down like Way bigger hills and in mud and all kinds of terrain. Yeah. um And then, like, up from there, people, you know, usually graduate to a 50 mile and then, like, 100K, which is 62 miles, and 100 milers are kind of like the quintessential uh, ultra. Not everybody does 100 milers, but that's everyone kind of dreams, I think, of doing 100 milers if they haven't already done one and, and they are in the ultra running sphere
1: yeah for sure that really makes sense what you were saying about going on trails and running through mountains and stuff like that because a i'm the type of person that's crazy enough to start ultra running probably wants to be outdoors and you know doing some you know have have a cool surroundings but as well i imagine there's not a lot of places where you can just run for 50 miles or 100 miles like you know what type of asphalt turf is there like that you know unless you're just running up and down your street out front of your house you know for ten thousand laps (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean there are a couple funny little quirky races uh where they'll do like twenty-four hours running and they'll have a one mile loop and they'll just people will go round and round and round that loop. Um <laughs>
1: it's like a really slow Indy five hundred.
0: <laughs> yeah, really slow. And uh you know, people will cover like a hundred to like I even like up to like hundred and eighty miles in a twenty-four hour race. Um so that's like one part of like you you call it ultra marathon world. Um, not, not not as many people, I think, get into that as much as they do the, the trail stuff. You um, know, the trails. It's you know, it's you get to travel through these like wild lands that you know normally people maybe where they go backpacking or something in them, and it would take them a few days to do a, a loop that you might do in a single day uh, when you don't carry a lot of stuff and you're just moving quicker. Yeah. Um, so I think people really get hooked on that on that aspect, and uh, so there's you know, especially in the American West. Um, you know, anywhere west of the Colorado and like Montana and Wyoming Rockies, there's so much open space that's public land, have tons of trails and tons of dirt roads. And just, I mean, it's pretty limitless actually. I haven't spent as much time back East. I know there's still tons of trail runners and places to go trail running back there. Um, So yeah, like you, uh, you're really not that limited, especially in the, in the U S there's tons of places to do it.
1: Yeah, it, man, it just sounds awesome. Uh, so, since you're running through these trails and through mountains and stuff, is it is the goal more to just finish, or are people trying to get really good times, the same way that they would be doing that for a regular marathon?
0: You know, I think it, it really depends a lot on the person. I would say that there are it's less time oriented than, like for instance, like if you're running a road marathon, most people will have a pretty pretty solid time goal. I think most of the time, but in trail races, I think the majority of people t- participating don't as much, but yeah. there's definitely a group of, of folks that are uh, highly competitive, and, uh, and time is somewhat important, but usually it's more about the racing aspect. Like if you are uh, an elite competitor, you're probably just trying to win or to podium or what whatever it might be. The time's usually secondary to that, which is kind of fun, so it's a little more about the racing as opposed to getting some sort of, uh, arbitrary time.
1: Yeah. You guys got other stuff to worry about, like not getting <laughs> carried off by wolves, not like, <laughs> rolling your ankle on some crazy rock you're jumping over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's super dynamic that way, uh, especially in like an ultra marathon because, you know, for instance, in a hundred mile race, you're probably going to run, you know, into the night if not through an entire night. So you've got, um, I mean, you've got lighting to worry about. You've got tons of different, you know, it might be hot in the daytime and it might be below freezing at night in the same race. So you've got all of those things to deal with, with like weather and temperatures. And then you've got to eat a lot, which is maybe one of the hardest people or hardest things for people to do is to learn what they can eat and how much to eat and when to eat. Because uh, if you don't, you'll, you just won't make it. So that's, there's a lot to it. There's tons of leading variables. up to the race or also during the race? Oh no, d- during them. Yeah. You have to learn how to eat during really any ultra marathon. um so are like there 50- like
1: uh spots along the way where you can fill up on food or are you just running with the backpack the
0: whole time most people run with some sort of either a little either a tiny little backpack or like a handheld water bottle so you can carry some water and some food but no there's always almost always uh these races will have aid stations where like they'll stock it with th- even th- you know things like gels and like normal like sugary type things and as well as like potato chips and oreos and soup and i mean the sky's the limit especially in longer races the aid stations are pretty full service
1: (laughs) i love the idea of somebody doing a crazy ultra marathon and just eating a bunch of oreos on the side of the road that i do for
0: sure i always grab a couple oreos especially in long races those go down pretty well and actually coca-cola is one of the uh Cho- most choice uh, ultra fare to, to pick up. You drink Drinking Coca-Cola is surefire to get you uh, to be able to keep moving.
1: Just because all the sugar and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty quick-hitting sugar. I mean, if you drink Coke for too long, eventually you can, it kind of stops working as well, but in races that last like six to ten hours, it works pretty well. <laughs> what
1: about um like coffee or Red Bull and anything like that?
0: I'm sure people do. You know, Red Bull's a little bit harsh for me at least, but I know people – People will do that. Coffee, I think people do. But, yeah, sometimes those can be a little bit tough, uh, tough to get down. And usually, I mean, if you're, like, trying to compete or, like, to place well in the races, you know, it's time is of the essence. So you don't try to spend too much time at the aid station. So it's, like, whatever's <laughs> quick.
1: <laughs> like, excuse me, um, where's the half and half? I'm looking for <laughs> the, uh, the organic half and half, please.
0: That probably happens, actually, too, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk to us about what the longest race was that you ever did, and, and I guess some of like the crazier races as well. Are there any races that are really interesting, not necessarily because of their length, but because of some sort of other dynamic in the race?
0: Oh, man, there's there's so much to talk about with that, actually. Um, I mean, some of the, most, the best races I've done, I did a race in Europe this last summer called the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc. Um, it's 103 miles, and it goes all the way around this the biggest mountain in Europe, basically, and uh, it's an unbelievably huge race. You know, there's thousands and thousands of participants and then uh, way, way, way more spectators. It's really wild over there how popular the sport is and just how big those mountains are. And you have to climb like, you know, climb a vertical mile multiple times, you know, like the, the, the climbs and descents are huge and really steep. And uh, it's, it's just incredible and for like an organized race. It's something like if you're an ultra runner, it's one of those bucket list events that like you just have to try to do. Yeah. And then things like that even aren't races, things like the which there's some controversy surrounding it. But like the Grand Canyon uh, rim to rim to rim is a route that is really popular among ultra runners that I've done where you run basically from one side of the Grand Canyon down to the bottom up the other side and then you come back. <laughs> and so that, <laughs> that one's is like crazy it's pretty awesome it's like 42 miles and you climb 11,000 feet of vertical I, that's i should probably explain that a little bit so in uh in ultra running especially in trail running we you know we don't just talk about the mileage of a race or a run you always want to like let people know how much they're going to climb because it can make a huge difference like a flat 40 miles versus one where you climb for instance, eleven thousand feet. It'll take a lot more time to do one with all the climbing.
1: Yeah, I could. Only, I so I've never had the opportunity to to hike down into the Grand Canyon, but uh, a friend of mine just did a few months ago, and she just hiking out was talking about how she like felt like she was dying just trying mm-hmm. to walk out of the Grand Canyon. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. running up both sides of it in the same day.
0: Yeah, I mean it's funny actually. I'll I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit. So like. When I did it, we were we were racing. It was a it's not an organized race. You're not allowed to have an organized race in the Grand Canyon. But there was a handful of uh, guys that, went, that I went down there with, and so we were trying to break this record. That the, so there's records kept for these types of things. Uh, we call them FKTs or fastest known times, and. Uh, So you'll do those on places you can't normally have races. And so just you or by yourself or with a few other people will do it. So that's what we were doing at the Grand Canyon. And uh, what's crazy about that is like you'll start at 4 in the morning or something, and it's cool and really nice on top. Then you go down and uh, go across and go to the north room, and it's still cool. But when you're coming back up, um, the second big climb, getting out of the canyon the second time, like when I did it, it was probably about 100 degrees, and you do feel like you might die. It's like truly – (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it truly brings you to the edge like i looked at puddles of uh mule piss on the ground and i thought that might be what i'd have to do <laughs> to make sure i got out
1: wow um, that's um, crazy yeah, have you ever me- had a, like a, a scary but ha- have you ever actually passed out and like i imagine i mean you guys do ultra running i that's pretty freaking extreme these things you guys are doing i imagine that those type of people <sighs> like to really 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 push their body and push their limits and i i imagine sometimes you would go over your limit not knowing that you were going over it
0: yeah i mean i've never i mean i've never been in a position that i thought i was going to die but i've definitely i mean yeah I, for instance i did this one event which i was not successful but there was another Trail called the John Muir Trail, which you might have heard of.
1: Of course, um, yeah,
0: in the Sierra Nevada. So that one's a really popular. Uh, we call it another FKT or like a record people try to get. And it's two hundred and twenty miles, and uh, it's that's what makes it really hard. Is it's, it takes uh, over three days to break the record, but you really don't get to sleep very much. So there's um,
1: a documentary. I, I now mm-hmm, I can't, uh, what is it mm-hmm. called um, about the there's people one, hiking the John Muir Trail?
0: Oh shoot! I bet you there's a few of them. I know there's a documentary. Um, what is it called? It's actually about, uh, my boss and another runner that just ran the trail, um, it's by a guy named jb benna Uh, anyways yeah there's there's probably a few documentaries about it it's just such an iconic trail
1: i will have to check out the running one because so that's what i was just going to say is this documentary and and, god i i'm so i will have to uh after the show uh, put in the show notes the name of this documentary and uh maybe at, at the intro or something i'll put in the name of this documentary but these people are just hiking the john muir trail and they hike the john muir trail in a month and it was like difficult there for them to hike it in one month the The idea that you guys are doing this in three days is absurd yeah i mean
0: honestly i didn't actually finish it in three days because uh i made it 100 100 of of the 220 miles and uh my knee just stopped working but i guess what i was going to say about that is like when you try to sleep you just carry uh like these tiny little foil blankets basically and like a little bit of a jacket like a tiny little puffy jacket just most minimal weight because you can't carry like a full set of like backpacking gear. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to run because it'd be too heavy. Yeah. So trying to sleep at like 11,000 feet and it is lightning, uh, thunder and lightning storms and it's really cold. And like, those are the times I've been like the most, like the closest to being an actual danger of like, um, not making it back. But well, it's, you, you, it's not, you know, it's not that day. I mean, it's dangerous, but I don't know. I've never felt like I was going to die or anything. Have you
1: ever during any of those times considered giving up the sport?
0: You now most times I I think I always think about giving up the sport when things <laughs> get really bad like the the mental lows that you go through and some of these like exceptionally long uh, runs and races like you always think about quitting because <laughs> um, it just gets that hard it gets that bad sometimes where everything hurt you know everything hurts and you just don't know why you made yourself do this but somehow like usually a day or two later you you forget like we have this ability to. Instantly, forget all the bad stuff, and kind of remember the good stuff and then you plan the next thing <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have thought about quitting i every i 'm sure everybody has that yeah. does those, but you forget
1: it 's interesting it 's like a uh, a much less extreme example would be anybody that 's ever golfed before like when <laughs> yes. you golf like every round you have this terrible, which for me is every time I play golf you're like, I'm never going to play golf again. And like the next day you're like, I can play golf again today. It's, it's all going to be okay. You know?
0: Absolutely. I know that feeling as well. I'm a terrible golfer, <laughs> so I can testify to that. Yeah. I just definitely like that. I don't know if that, I think that's the great thing about being a, a human is our capacity for forget hard things and like, you know, do them again. Cause it's, you know, it's worth it.
1: Definitely. So let's talk about that. How, how do you feel ultra marathon or just ultra running has, uh, Changed you as a person? Like, how has it changed your mentality and your drive and your willingness to push through obstacles
0: in your life? I think one of the really key benefits is to think when I, so if you get into like a hundred mile race and you, you know, you're at mile 20 or something and you're already starting to get tired or. Uh, and if you think about having to do the entire 80 next miles like you'll probably quit like you just won't make it because uh, it's too much so like you you learn how to like compartmentalize and, be, and and get uh you know be able to be like okay I can go 10 more miles you know like it's not that bad um and i think that applies to like anything in in life like it just allows you to be like okay things are hard things are rough right now uh, whether that's in your uh, work life or your family life but like you've already you know you can get through it especially when you can just be like okay i'll get through this part and this part and like you break it up and don't don't try to figure out how you're gonna fix everything right away because you just can't
1: <laughs> definitely definitely i'm trying a stint of um i eventually want to get my my body burning ketones and doing like a Mm. a slightly ketogenic diet right now yeah yeah i obviously like 100 giving up grains is a incredibly difficult thing but exactly what you said it's like i just keep telling myself like all right let me just do one more meal like this without any and then and then i'll decide after this one more meal And then it's just one more meal just one more meal versus when i try to think of like all right i'm gonna go like another month without grains i want to blow my brains out
0: you know yeah, I've tried that before too. I wasn't successful with uh, the switch over to like the fat burning diet. I've heard <laughs> it's know? very
1: helpful for long distance runners because there's of just the there's constant some really,
0: energy source. There's some like definitely big proponents of that, and I mean to some extent, I think I, I kind of do. It makes sense, especially for these really long races, because like your body doesn't really store enough like readily accessible like sugar or carbohydrate stores to cover. Uh, 100 miles or even 50 miles so you have to either you ingest some sugar but really what you need to get good at is burning fat stores while you're running at relatively high intensities which that's kind of what the training is for and like some people believe like like you're talking about like these diets that are higher in fat and protein than they are in carbohydrate or very limited carbohydrate will help you do that but it is hard i tried to do it and i just felt Pretty bad trying to switch. Yeah.
1: I've done it once before. And for me, then I want to say it took about three weeks before, which is a long time. I want to say it took three weeks before it felt like my body did make a shift. But when my body did make a shift, it was really incredible. Like my, it's like everything about me changed. I felt like I felt much more calm throughout the entire day. There was no time where I like really needed to eat a meal. To your point about like, you know, your body has all these fat stores that it's Mm -hmm. readily burning. Um, I could just kind of take it or leave it at any given time, which allowed me a lot more flexibility during my work day and stuff. You know, I didn't have to like you. You you start to realize how much of your life you're building around. I need to eat right now. You know, um, right. Which and, you probably
0: shouldn't have to. Like it's kind of like it's almost ridiculous that we have to eat three or four times a day.
1: Yeah, for um, sure.
0: Because I mean, even a really really fit person has. Anyway, you know, we all have a decent amount of fat stores. Not to say that you should uh, not eat i'm not prop- i'm not a proponent of not eating but like that you can that fat should be able to fuel you yeah um for most activities
1: yeah for sure be like a little camel walking around <laughs> right right so why at- You have to tell me, and please try to sell me, on why you got into running. Because I, several times in my life, have tried to get into running. And every single time I try, I'm just like, this is the most boring thing I could possibly (laughs) be doing right now.
0: I mean, I think that you're probably right about that to a certain extent, especially... I mean, I think everyone has that problem initially. For me, I started running when I was relatively young. Uh, I was like 14, and I actually hated it at first. But I was just, I was, you know, in school, in high school, and I was running cross country, and then I did track because you know your friends do it, and uh, it's it's a sport, it's competitive, so you kind of get into it. Um, I don't think it wasn't really until like my sophomore or junior year that like I actually liked. Going running, it wasn't just for the sport. I actually wanted to do it for its own sake, which is what it takes to want to keep doing it, as opposed to having like competitive or weight loss goals or things like that uh, to make you do it. Like getting to the point where it's like legitimately like as fun as going to see a movie or you know going on a mountain bike ride, something like that. And I think that's where uh, running on trails, as opposed to a track or a road or a treadmill, actually gives it's way more fun and i think people who once you start to try try that find some fun single track that's close to you it it, it's way easier to enjoy it um than the monotony of some of the other types of running
1: so let's try to help some people out here then um i imagine there's a certain amount of training that you have to do for your ankles and your joints and stuff before you're doing before doing trail running for the first time so you don't just immediately hurt like roll an ankle or something
0: yeah i think that's there's probably some truth to that and I think like not nece- okay there's a couple things. One is like finding trails that aren't super technical and how I would describe technical is that they have lots of rocks and roots or they're really steep up and down but just more gradual. Um you're from the bay, right? Yeah. You're from the bay area like I'm trying to think so like some of the trails like in the Marin Headlands they're like a little bit wider, smoother um paths that uh they're still hilly and they're still undulating but they're not I wouldn't call them super dangerous. Like, so finding things like that to kind of get into it are, are really good ways. And then like, I actually, this is what I really wanted to mention is that in all these types of trail and uh, ultra running um, it's almost a misnomer to always call it running. Even the best people in the world will hike parts of, of races and runs because like, when the, it gets steep enough, whether that, you know, up or down, like the terrain kind of helps dictate what they're, doing so yeah it's, you call it running but like I, I think it's kind of scares some people off to think that I, I can't they think they can't run these trails i'm like well maybe you can't run the whole time but no one does no one runs the whole time necessarily um so it's like hiking is kind of part of it especially yeah. when you're especially when you're just getting into it i think taking the approach that you're just covering you're going over the terrain how your body needs to, or how you can. And that might mean hiking a lot man. and running when it's smoother or not as steep and things like that. And like gradually you get better and run more.
1: Ryan, um, there's just such a good life analogy, just sitting right in there. That's
0: great. Man. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think so. And, uh, and just not trying. And I think the last key point that I would make for people like wanting to get into, to run any type of running, uh, or trail running specifically is like, you don't have to go really hard to get a ton of benefit honestly like going a little bit easier and uh even being able to like talk like if you're going too, uh you're going too fast to the point where you can't like have a conversation with somebody you're probably running too hard and so like slowing down um to make it so that you could actually have a conversation like that pace is super beneficial for your fitness and it makes it so you're not going to burn out and you actually won't hate it as much it'll be more fun when you realize you don't have to go as hard to get the benefit
1: so even if you're a complete beginner you think that there is a like slow enough pace that you could run that you'd be able to talk with someone
0: most of the time yeah i think there is and if there's not i think then you should start out by mostly walking or doing a combination of some walking and some uh running maybe like you know you run for a minute, walk two minutes, or whatever it needs to be. But it's, it's, So, it's different for every single person. Yeah. Um, but the idea being that if you can, ha- you know, maybe not a conversation like you're sitting at the dinner table, but uh, <laughs> not so hard that you can't, you should be able to talk to someone that you're with. Or, or if you're not with someone, just pretend and try it out and see if you can still talk. Yeah. Uh, and then that's probably easy enough. And if you do that, like, it's probably going to be more fun. It is more fun. And yeah. like, even like the most elite competitors in the world, they can talk on 80% of their runs, you know, only occasionally do they run, uh, workouts where you can't talk. So it's, and, you, and those are just like the tip of the iceberg kind of, uh, icing on the cake, everything else that like really gets you better at it you can go easy. That's
1: so interesting. Um, what are some of the other, let's talk about some of the training that you're doing, um, like breathing exercises, um, like things that you're doing on the side and then also caring for your body pre and post
0: a run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely talk about that. Um, I think for, you know, especially if you're building up or if you've been running for a while, um, you can get some like imbalances, like strength imbalances in terms of like you Build some muscles, get really strong, and some don't get worked as much if you're mostly just running. So, like getting in the in the gym actually and doing like strength workouts, things like lunges and squats, and using the leg press, and even some upper body. Um, I think those things are they they help me stay injury free. Actually, um, I mean, I'm not like I'm not an expert like weight training person, but I've learned enough over the the years to. Um, kind of make it work but i think it's really crucial for people who run to still to still get in the gym and and like get more balanced strength so Definitely. they don't and it, it does think, it helps any, you not get injured
1: i think in any way that your muscles become imbalanced through any sport that you're doing that's going to kind of throw off your posture and in something in something like running it's probably so imperative to, that, to have your your posture kind of on point the entire time
0: yeah, I mean, those repetitive use injuries, they they go away if you – or they don't they, they don't go away, but they, they come a lot less often if you do that extra stuff. And then, like, post-running, I mean, I think, you know, stretching is definitely part of the routine that I do as well as, uh, like, rolling, which I don't know. I'll try to describe that, but like a big – like a foam roller or something similar that you can uh, – basically, it's like a self-massage tool that you can use your body weight to – basically give yourself a massage after you run and uh that that'll help keep your legs feeling a lot better yeah i was just foam
1: rolling a few hours ago so basically to explain it to people a foam roller is like if you have a um like a, and now I can't think of the name of it, but the, like a roller that you use to roll out dough when, like, when you're Mm -hmm. cooking, you basically get, like, a a bigger foam roller than that, and rather than you put the foam roller on top of you, the way you put the roller on top of the dough, you yourself get on top of the roller and roll out a a particular muscle.
0: Yeah, I've even used the uh, ones for rolling out dough. Uh, for rolling. Oh, like a handheld uh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've got, like, little like foam balls or like lacrosse balls. I mean, there's a million different little tools to try to work on like all the different things like glutes and hips and quads and calves and Achilles tendon. I mean, all of that stuff. Like I could pay like 80 bucks for massage twice a week, but I mean, that's not going to happen. Definitely. <laughs> um, so this is like a way to do that. Um, little, you know, I'm a little less skilled in the massage therapist, but I can do it every day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to get some sort of like trigger point specialist or something on the show. All that stuff is so fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. I think it would benefit anyone who's um, involved in any type of athletics on a regular basis would benefit a ton from like utilizing those tools and like learning how to do it better too. I mean, I would benefit from it myself. Um, and it's, it's free. I mean, it's very cheap. You can get these kind of tools for you know, 20 or 30 or 40 bucks for most of these kind of, you have a couple of them and uh, they last. they should last for basically forever. So they're, it's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. And uh, like another thing I'll do for recovery and I'll, I actually ice bath a couple of times a week, usually oh, wow. or either, either in like an actual bathtub, but usually it's in like a Creek or uh, we have a little reservoir here in town that, that we'll go to a lot. And uh, so after like harder runs, we'll use that and it definitely helps. I think it helps with the recovery process. Oh man, that's crazy. yeah it's kind of painful uh sometimes you can't go in all the way you just have to get like it's just depending on your how how tough you're feeling that day
1: yeah yeah what about your diet uh what do you try to like what does your diet look like in order to maintain your energy levels throughout these long runs
0: (laughs) i mean like we were talking about earlier i do try to focus on i mean i don't i eat carbs still but i i like to eat a lot of i'm i eat meat you know i'll eat like red meat i'll eat Uh, Hamburgers and tacos, and I eat a lot of eggs actually. Uh, I still eat dairy products. Basically, I eat a lot of calories and try to get a lot of them from fat and protein and then maybe like 30 percent from carbohydrate i don't measure it but that's kind of like the goal 30 35 so most of it from not carbs yeah and i think like while it's not as extreme as like completely eliminating it i still feel like it's kind of helped me uh just be able to not get as tired as quickly on these longer runs it it has made a difference yeah Um, over time it has um but it's yeah i mean I yeah, I still eat a lot of vegetables too, salads and stuff, but not as much as I should. My wife definitely helps with that. If, I, if it was up to me, I probably wouldn't eat as much of that <laughs> at all.
1: <laughs> well, it's good you have her then.
0: It is. It's really good. Yeah.
1: What uh What are some of the worst injuries that you've gotten, and what are the most common injuries that occur in the sport?
0: I would say in long distance running, people get what you what's commonly referred to as like IT band syndrome. Um, it's kind of a nebulous term and like the basically what happens is people have like tendonitis on the outside of their knee and it hurts really bad and usually you, you can't run that well through it um and that's one of the things that's I think caused by strength and balance more often than not um in terms of like the outside of your quad is really strong the inside is not and like most runners don't fire their glutes very well so that actually contributes to like the IT band syndrome as well. Hmm. So like the gym type workouts, like doing lunges, squats, leg press, uh, things that work on muscles. You don't, that don't work very well when you're running. Like that helps a lot with that. Just like general tendonitis, like inflammatory problems that pop up usually in the knee, but sometimes I'll swear sometimes they can be hip problems. I get the I T band syndrome when I don't work out in the gym.
1: <laughs> I T band, is that that's like from your abdomen down through your inner thigh? It's,
0: it's kind of on the outside of your quad. It goes it goes from the outside of your knee and then the that band runs up the outside of your quad and like attaches up in like your butt basically and like your Gluteus medius, I want to say, which the band itself doesn't really, it just holds things together. But if you have like under and or over strengthened muscles, it'll get pulled on that. And that's why you call it IT band syndrome, because mm. like the insertion point um, where that attaches to your knee will get like inflamed and really painful. So basically,
1: the stronger muscle will be yanking it too much.
0: I th- Yeah, that's my understanding. And it, yeah, I mean, having like a physical therapist that specializes in running, like they would be like, pretty good at describing like the exact mechanics of that but all the time i mean all the people i've seen and all the stuff i've learned that's kind of how it works so, like getting your glutes to fire and and making sure that your legs are more evenly strengthened will kind of fix it yeah. but it might ta- it might sometimes it takes a while sometimes you can't it's not a two-day fix it might be a two or three-week fix where you have to back off and and let it heal
1: what do you think about the longevity of the sport like (laughs) in the danger of it. I, Mm -hmm. I, as more data kind of comes out about, uh, you know high intensity training versus or uh, maybe not data opinions come out about mm-hmm. high intensity interval training versus doing something uh really like long distance um and kind of the dangers of doing stuff that are long distance i, I think about that a lot anytime i see an old guy running around with like two knee or like a, a brace on each knee and i'm just like my man like maybe you just it's time to hang it up you know like maybe you shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be
0: running anymore yeah. I mean, I hope I'm not that guy when I get older. I could be, I mean, people get pretty hooked on, on the sport and just on running in general. Um, so they, they'll go through a lot to be able to keep doing it. I mean, I don't think that it's like, uh, it's not necessarily like every person who runs a lot is going to have like joint problems. I think that actually they probably more often than not won't. And, and actually an ultra marathoning more than joint problems. There's like if on the competitive side people have had what's been referred to as overtraining syndrome which i think is probably even like more scary than the joint stuff but like uh like severe adrenal fatigue and like um and basically they ran wow too too hard and too far too many times and like people who wore up once like maybe the you know some of them were the best in the sport and then um you know, after a few years of really high level racing and and running, like sometimes they just they just quit being able to do it, and like they can barely run. <laughs> and it's there's more cases than than you'd like to see with something like that.
1: Wow, yeah, and that takes a long time to to try to fix if you yeah. shoot out your adrenals like that.
0: Yeah, you have to like catch it early, and I think that people are becoming more aware of that in uh, who are involved with ultra running, and uh, yeah, you have to just be able to like. Re- recognize that maybe like if you don't if you've been feeling really bad and you don't want to run every day like you've got to you know take a step back and like actually recover and mm-hmm. i think that i mean certainly people will overtrain still but more and more i think uh people will get a little bit smarter as they like see the cases where this happens and and try to fix it so i think you can do ultra running sustainably but uh, you might not get to race every race that you want to all the time things yeah. like that
1: let's talk about another major danger of the sport which I, I imagine anyways it will be chafing. How do you <laughs> prevent
0: chafing? Yeah, that's that's uh it's absolutely a huge danger in the sport. <laughs> um, there's a there's definitely different products that people use. I mean having a like a stick of body glide that basically it's a like lubricating stick of like it looks like deodorant but you just rub it on and uh, you can put it pretty much anywhere. You can put it like armpits, groin. I even put it on my feet sometimes, and uh, it, it'll pretty much fix most any chafing problem. Especially if you get it before. If you get it before it starts, uh, if you wait till something's gone wrong, you might be in trouble. Wait, what will you
1: put it on your feet for? That's crazy.
0: Uh, I mean, feet can get really messed up. In fact, I'd say that's like one of the hardest things to keep. Uh, feeling good in a long race you know one that takes 15 or more hours Uh, especially if it's hot like everybody's feet get just really hot and like and it's not even just blisters but almost looks like trench foot at times um so i mean the boss sometimes body glide's not going to do it sometimes you put tape all over your feet to fix them and sometimes there's nothing you can do uh but you try to do it before it gets real bad
1: what do you do post run for your feet do you use um like a lacrosse ball or something
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, mostly just like, yeah, like running it across like that, that plantar fascia or the arch of your foot. Um, especially if you've been having pain there, like that'll, it can definitely help or like golf balls, different size, different size balls, basically, uh, depending on like the severity of your problem or how deep you want it to get.
1: Yeah. What is your resting heart rate like, do you know, and your blood pressure and stuff?
0: Oh, shoot. I don't know my blood pressure. I don't go to the doctor probably nearly enough. You know, the heart rate thing is funny because it's really variable um, depending on the person. Like some people's heart rate, uh, like let's just say we race equivalent, like you're the same same times and races. Someone might have like a 50 resting heart rate and someone might have 30. I'm usually on the higher end probably because I'm just pretty high energy all the time
1: yeah 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 (laughs) so i
0: I think mine's usually like low 50s which isn't super low
1: yeah which is yeah probably imagine for for a normal person is relatively low but for someone that does your sport is probably not very low at all
0: yeah some people's are a lot lower um but then like it like how that changes like at various paces. um like i can keep mine pretty low at like a relatively high pace at times um so yeah it's the resting heart rate for me is not super low but i'm kind of always moving around too so that doesn't help with that yeah what is a,
1: a misconception that you think that people might have about ultra running that is not necessarily correct
0: I, I don't think i think that ultra running is not as extreme as as people think like i think most people could do it um if you know if they wanted to and if they you know put their mind to it and like set the, you know, appropriate goals like for the you know, they've planned for a long enough time to uh, achieve them. I think it's something most people could do. So if um, I've never
1: run at all in my entire life and I mm-hmm. wanted to run a 50K, how long do you think I would have to prep and build up for before doing a fifty K?
0: So you've never never run before. It might depend, like if you've done some other sports that had running involved and things like that. But I would say someone could go from not running to a fifty K in like maybe a year, year and a half somewhat safely. Yeah. And, and again, like we kind of talked about earlier, but you might not have to run the whole time. Like if you know, you kind of, if you get your fitness to the point where you, you know, when there's a steep hill, you're going to hike, but you, you know, you run a lot of the less steep hills, the flats and the downs, and you can still do like a 50k or these ultra marathons. And in fact, that's how most people do them. they, they hike parts of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people could do it. You could, you could do it in a year probably.
1: i mean i'm sure i could do it in like a month or something like that i've got a really low resting heart rate i'm working on this whole entire ketogenic diet thing i'm on the on the road um so let's go ahead and wind this thing down. I um two things. I have my own question for you, but before that I actually had someone write in with a question that they wanted me to ask you. So okay. um, this comes from a listener named Kim Boswell. She wanted to know what your first mile time was versus your current mile time and like what your first marathon time would have been versus where you're at now.
0: Yeah, so like I guess all the way back in like eighth grade I ran the mile in like six minutes. Um so not, you know, not not really. there's kids run a lot faster than that, and now I run the mile in like four twenty five or four thirty. or that's my best. Wow. Uh, so again, there's people that do it a lot faster. And then marathon time, I don't know, it's hard to say because when I was younger, it's like when you're kid, when you're a kid, it's hard to run a marathon, but I probably would have ran like three hours maybe in high school or three ten. and now I've run like two thirty.
1: Damn, that's crazy.
0: Um so yeah i mean that that's the cool thing about running is like the more the longer you're able to keep doing it uh you can keep getting better for a long time and that that applies to most people um and those I think those improvements are kind of what keep people coming back and keep you keep you motivated um and, and it's like we're all really doing the same thing, whether you're trying to go from a two thirty marathon to two twenty or if you're trying to go from uh four thirty to a four hour marathon like it's all it's all really relative, and and we're all kind of in the same boat, trying to get better.
1: Yeah, and either way, when you hit whatever the next step is, it'll give you that nice confidence boost you need never, you know, to keep going. And it
0: never ends. You know, there's you're uh, you finish one great goal, maybe uh, you accomplish something that you've always wanted to do, and it feels really, really good. And then two days later, it it's over, and now you're on to the next thing. So it doesn't last, which is maybe good and bad. But I think it's good. It keeps us looking forward.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, Ryan, what advice would you give someone listening to this that wants to get started? Um, like advice to, for for them to not injure themselves right away, and, mm-hmm. and just any other advice you could give to people looking to, looking to get started with this.
0: So, I would say, like we kind of talked about earlier, like don't go, don't think that you have to run really hard or even run the whole time to like get into trail running. Like you can run easier to the point where you can have a conversation with the person you're running with and when the hill you know if you're running in a hilly place you know and it gets to be a steep hill like you should hike at some level you should hike and you know we even call it power hiking like you just stop stop the running motion start hiking and then when the hill levels off you can start running again and uh, so it's it's all still part of the sport of trail running so you don't have to think you have to run the whole time to be a trail runner (laughs) okay cool
1: man great advice Dude, Ryan, we appreciate it, man. That was a great story, interview, everything, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. No, that was a lot of fun.
1: Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Just wanted to give you all a quick reminder that if you have any ideas for the show, be that a person that you would like me to interview or just a topic that you would like me to cover on the show and you want me to track someone down, or if you have a question for an episode like today's or any other episode that you were kind of biting your tongue and wishing that I had asked, you can submit all that through my website on the submit your ideas link and I will either track down an old guest to ask those questions for you or find that new guest that you want to hear from. Thanks so much.